This episode of the Weekly Standard Podcast is sponsored by The Great Courses. The Great Courses brings the world's greatest professors to your fingertips with more than 500 courses on science, history, philosophy, fine arts, better living, and more. The Great Courses are available on digital download and streaming or DVD and CD. Best of all, you can listen to or watch The Great Courses at your own pace without the pressure of homework or exams. And now, for a limited time only... The Great Courses is giving our listeners an offer of up to 80% off the original price of selected courses, including The Decisive Battles of World History. For this limited time 80% offer, go to thegreatcourses.com slash WS to find out more. That's thegreatcourses.com slash WS. Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us in the Weekly Standard is Fred Barnes. As people are discussing Iran and the Iranian deal today, it turns out there's a story from 30 years ago that may be relevant. And Fred, you're writing about it for the Weekly Standard. Yep, I am. It's actually 35 years ago. It was when the Iranian hostages, you'll remember, were held for 444 days uh, in Tehran at the American embassy. Remember the Revolutionary Guards had stormed the embassy and and rather than uh, the few American Marine Guards who were there guarding the embassy, rather than their firing back, uh, it would have been it, that would have been a, a, a horrible disaster because the Revolutionary Guards, as we know terrorists often do, had uh, used women and children as their shield. So, and in any case, uh, the embassy was captured. For, uh, there were at the time, I believe, um, uh, 66. Uh, officers, military men, guards who were held in captivity for 444 days, threatened with being executed, uh, tortured. Uh, Thirteen of them were released uh, early on because they were either minorities or something <laughs> that the terrorists, uh, the Revolutionary Guards, tried to make a point of. Uh, and then this, uh, there were 52 left when they were finally released in January of 1981, on the day that Jimmy Carter left the White House and Ronald Reagan became president. Uh, since then, the normal thing would have been for them to be compensated, uh, as others have, as federal law, well, not federal law, but federal judges have, have ruled over the years, there's sort of a consensus among judges that you get, if you were, you get $10,000 a day uh, if you were held in captivity by a foreign government or terrorists or something, uh, that's for the one who was actually a hostage, and your wife and and children, uh, at the time you were captured, get five thousand. Uh, that may sound like ten thousand a day sounds like a lot, but for what these uh, hostages went through and their families went through, it's a pittance. Anyway, they haven't gotten it. They haven't gotten a dime of it. And one of the reasons was there was an agreement at the time, in order to get the hostages back, uh, the President Carter assigned what are known as the Algeria Accords, which means that. The, they could not, it was an executive agreement, a little like Clinton's uh, Iran deal that uh, uh, was not uh, ratified by Congress, uh, but that the uh, Iranian government could not be sued uh, for compensation by the hostages. And so uh, this has gone through the courts and everything, and here we are 35 years later, and they haven't gotten a dime. Meanwhile, 13 of them have died. Uh, and there, and this would affect 151 people. A bill is going through Congress, or is about to, uh, that will actually 
provide for paying uh, the compensation for these people and their families who suffered so much. Um, and and we'll see. It's been around for a long time and been a lot of dawdling in Washington, but now there's finally an opportunity. Well, two questions. One is why mm-hmm. no movement in the past on this, uh, setting aside like Iran as a source of the money? And then secondly, mm-hmm. why is there movement now? Um, well, there's movement now for the obvious reason that uh, there's a lot going on between the United States and Iran uh, with the big around uh, deal on nuclear weapons and then the eagerness of President Obama to form some long-term friendly relationship with the Iranians despite all they're doing around the world. I mean, they, they haven't stopped uh, supporting terrorism and doing things like uh, uh, grabbing hostages, things like that, but not exactly that. Um, and, you know, intervening in Iran, and, uh, I mean, in Iraq and that war where their weapons and some of their people actually killed Americans and so on. But uh, given this opportunity where there's all this other stuff going on, it seemed like a likely, uh, a, a, a propitious time to uh, try to get compensation for uh, the hostages. Now, they wouldn't get the money from the federal government, our government, but uh, the money that would be tapped would be the money uh, collected from mainly European uh, businesses uh, in fines when they violated the sanctions, the current sanctions, uh, uh, and dealt uh, in uh, commercially with Iran, and they had to pay fines. And so there would be, uh, there's plenty of money there now for that. Uh, so that's the money that would be tapped. The thought now is that the bill, which has been uh, uh, sponsored by Johnny Isaacson, he's the lead guy in the House, uh, the congressman from outside Atlanta, and in, and Lindsey Graham of South Carolina in the Senate has been very active, would be to put this in the sort of the uh, the Bob Corker bill, which you may have heard of. Bob Corker, the, uh, the senator from Tennessee, has a bill that would make the any Iranian deal subject in one fashion or another uh, to a verdict up or down by the Senate and the House, uh, and that they would stick it in there uh, somehow, this uh, 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 compensation uh, for the hostages. You know, it's a, uh, when you think about justice denied, uh, justice has been denied uh, these uh, hostages and their families. It, it, it really has. You wonder why administration after administration, Reagan's, uh, Bush uh, 41, Clinton, uh, then uh, uh, Bush again, uh, Bush 43, and then Obama. Why haven't they done anything on this? Well, a lot of it is because it was in the courts, these whole accords, which denied the hostages a right to sue the Iranians uh, uh, for compensation, was in the courts all through the, uh, for years, all through the uh, Bush 41, I mean 43, George W. Bush administration. And anyway, it's finally at a position that I think uh, uh, it's time for people to write about it. There's been a lot of writing about the suffering, even while they came back, the hostages, after, after they came back uh, to America, after being released, the suffering they had in their lives, divorces, suicides, nightmares, all, just all kinds of things. Uh, and uh, I think we've had enough of it. it. It really is time for them to get this compensation. They deserve it, and it's been long denied. In fact, it's taken so long that Johnny Isaacson's now in the U.S. Senate, still fighting yeah. this fight. So yeah, uh, let me ask you this: Let me ask you this. Um, the the lessons that we can learn 
about the strategy and the approach going forward. You know, uh, something that uh, Rand Paul said in his announcement was trust but verify is a you know, long-standing mm -hmm. Republican approach. In other words, mm -hmm. no one's saying to deal with the Iranians, you have to just trust them. It's trust but verify. Uh, but we've seen what's gone on the last 35 years. What lessons do you think people who are trying to find some way to enter a pragmatic deal with the Iranians should take from the way they've behaved the past 35 years? Look, in a situation where you have the advantage, uh, don't be nice to the Iranians. You don't need to give them anything. You don't need to give them any sweeteners. Uh, and here, the Iranians were terrified of Ronald Reagan becoming president. They really thought he was a cowboy. Uh, and uh, you didn't need to give them this agreement where they would uh, be free of any lawsuits uh, seeking money or anything else uh, from the hostages that were being released. It seemed to be uh, uh, gratuitous to give them that, or it was just plain bad negotiating. Uh, reminds me of the negotiating uh, Obama, the Obama administration did, which meant in Iraq, with the Iraqi government, that meant that all the American troops would be gone. Not even a residual force was staying. Uh, so, you know, well, look, when, they, when your enemy's desperate, uh, you don't need to be nice to them. You don't need to give them uh, sweeteners. Um, but the Iranians, uh, you know, are I, I love it when people when I hear them say, and they went on and on about this over the weekend, Fred. We will keep this deal. We want to keep this deal. This is we will. You can trust us on this deal. And I'm think, thinking to myself, going, how can anyone take mm -hmm. their word seriously? This isn't the British or the mm -hmm. French or the Brazilians, even. I mean, the, yeah. the Iranians mm -hmm. have have shown their willingness to act with tremendous duplicity mm -hmm. again and again yeah. and again. Now, they could have done anything over the last 35 years rather than hold uh, uh, celebrations every year of the, uh, of, their, of the day they seized the hostages. Uh, if they were in any way interested uh, in having detente uh, uh, with America, instead, they didn't do anything. And now the most they've done is one of their officials, who's been a part of the negotiations on nuclear weapons, uh, has said, oh, this is something that has to be dealt with, that we're going to have to do. You mean it just dawned on them. Uh, it really has on some of them, uh, according to what uh, folks who have dealt with them say. It, it, it just sort of dawned on them that this is a real, uh, this is a real bone of contention with America, uh, that if they're going to have uh, any, any sort of a, of a non uh, antagonistic relationship with the United States, and this is going to have to be dealt with. So far, all they've said is it has to be dealt with. They haven't offered any money. They haven't offered any apology. Uh, and, that's, and there's a lesson in that, too. You're dealing with people that did something horrible, uncalled for, in violating what there is of international law, uh, that's something hostile to the United States, uh, hostile to the way d uh, diplomacy in the world is carried out and has been for centuries, uh, and the rules involving that, and yet they're unrepentant. They just think now the most they've said is, well, it's a problem in dealing with the U.S. because they're still unhappy with this. Uh, well, it's a heck of a lot more with that. And but but think of what this tells you about the Iranian government and the Iranian uh, the political class. Uh, they've just really now realized, that, well, gee, this is a problem if we're going to have any sort of a, a non-hostile relationship with the United States. 35 years later, what have they been thinking about for the last 35 years? And not only that, but the most pr easy, pragmatic 
bone they could throw to the political oh, process would be to just totally. say, here's a check, mm -hmm. we're paying mm -hmm. it all. And the fact that they aren't either says that they are this cruel, that they're proud mm -hmm. of what they did, mm -hmm. or that the political forces inside Iran are so fundamentally anti-American mm -hmm. that they can't make this deal, which tells you something else, which means, wait, we're going to trust people who hate us so much they literally can't even write a check to pay for the damage they did to some hostages? That's an extreme regime. That is, a, and that's a very good point you make, Michael, because, uh, you know, here uh, we have, we're going into uh, a deal, uh, unless it's somehow changed, which it doesn't look like it is, at least by President Obama, uh, with them where we're trusting them and, and verifying uh, through inspections uh, that they're doing what they promised to do for the first time, because they've always violated agreements in the past, uh, and we've only learned through, not from them, that there were secret n nuclear installations being built underground and so on, uh, that somehow uh, we're going to have to, uh, we're going to believe that they're really going to let uh, surprise inspections happen. They're really going to be, uh, uh, allow a uh, uh, thorough inspections everywhere, that nothing will be blocked. Well, of course not. They're not going to do that. And they are totally untrustworthy, and cheating is a part of the way they operate. Um, so, uh, I mean, the, the, the thing about the, uh, the treatment of the hostages is uh, it shows you how they operate, and we have to keep that in mind while going along with this nuclear deal, particularly, particularly on the inspections and the verification. Um, their history there is uh, is one of cheating. Right. Well, that just shows how we uh, made a mistake, Fred. We should have sent Ben Affleck to save all the hostages, not just the five <laughs> he saved in the movie Argo, and yeah. then we wouldn't be. And like most Americans, I get all of my history from Hollywood, so I'm, I'm on top of the story. Fred, <laughs> a great piece of the Weekly Standard. Thanks so much for your time. All right, Michael. Fun to do your show as usual. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.